Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text is Genesis chapter 32. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you, and there are four hundred men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him, and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps, thinking, If Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Yahweh, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred that I may do good, do you good, I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I cross this Jordan, And now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good, and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him he took a present for his brother Esau, two hundred female goats and twenty male goats, two hundred ewes and twenty rams, thirty milking camels and their calves, forty cows and ten bulls, twenty female donkeys and ten male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass on ahead of me, and put a space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, When Esau my brother meets you and asks you, To whom do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say they belong to your servant Jacob. They are present, sent to my lord Esau, and moreover he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who followed the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me, and afterward I shall see his face, perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed that night in the camp. The same night he arose and took two, his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. 
Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Penael, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. This is the word of the Lord. So having been now broken from Laban, having parted ways, Jacob is still east of the Jordan River in the land of Gilead, and he is continuing southward. So instead of crossing the Jordan and heading home towards his father Isaac, he's seeking to meet Esau first. Somehow he has learned that Esau has moved, that Esau is living down in what we call Edom, also known as Seir. They're interchangeable. Which is south, it's the nation south of the Salt Sea, or the Dead Sea. Edom comes from Esau, it means red, and was tied back into that red stuff that he got from his brother, uh, his willingness to sell his birthright for a bowl of soup. And then Seir is the name of another man. Uh, Their peoples seem to intermarry, and we'll see that as we learn of Esau's descendants in a future chapter. So Jacob is heading to Esau first. And as he's on the way, he camps for the night, and the angels of God meet him, just as he saw them at Bethel. Now he sees more at this place, and so he calls it Mahanaim, which is Hebrew for camp. He continues his journey. He sends servants down ahead to, to greet Esau first, to let him know that Jacob's coming. A little bit of a boast about his great wealth that he has now had, and where he's been the last 20 years, as he's been with Laban. They're also to share, though, they're to phrase it, thus says your servant Jacob to my lord Esau. Notice the language and how humble the position is. Jacob is seeing Esau as above himself and himself under. This is the opposite of what God himself said, though. Back in chapter 25, speaking to their mother, Rebekah, about the twins in her womb that were fighting, God ended up telling her that the, the older would serve the younger. Jacob's approaching this with humility in hopes that his brother will no longer hate him, that he will be forgiven, and that he won't be killed, basically. He's wanting to find favor in Esau's sight. So the messengers go, and when they return, they're really crummy messengers, um, at least from the message. If this is all they said, we came to Esau, he's coming to meet you, there are 400 men with him. Well, why are there 400 men with him? Is he still angry? Is he planning to attack? Or... Is it a welcoming party? Are they coming to assist and to help, which is what Esau will ultimately end up offering when they do meet? The message leaves that pretty vague. Jacob takes it the only way he can think of in his mind, and that's that his brother still hates him. So he fears, and he divides his people into two camps, figuring if Esau comes to attack, he'll attack the first camp, and the other camp will get away. They'll survive. So he won't lose everything. That's his, his mindset here. But Jacob's prayer, as much as I've picked on Jacob here for his unfaithfulness over the last many chapters, Jacob's prayer in verse 9 through 12 is fantastic. This is a great prayer of faith. So he prays, he addresses God the Father, recognizes God as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the one who has commanded him to go on this journey, to return to this land. 
That was chapter 31, verse 3. Then in verse 10, the humility before God. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love. So the, the tiniest thing that you did to care for me, I'm not worthy even of that. All the faithfulness you have shown your servant. And then he credits God with giving him all that he has. That he crossed the river the first time and all he had was his staff. But now as he returns, he is so much that he has to divide into camps. All of that is a gift. And this is true. And then he prays for deliverance from Esau. He acknowledges his fear. Now, we should not fear, but as sinners, we do things we shouldn't do. We're tempted to things we should not be. And when we are, we, we turn to God. If you are worried, take your worry to God. If we're concerned, if we're fearful, we take that to the Lord. And that's exactly what Jacob does. He is afraid of Esau. He fears Esau might kill him or might kill his family. And so he takes that fear to God and prays for help. Deliver me. And then, verse 12, he reminds God of his promise. That God has said he would do him good. That he would make his offspring like the sand of the sea. Too numerous to be counted. Ask the Lord in your prayers, to be faithful to his promises. This is a great moment to go ahead and pray yourself. I mean, this is a confession and also a praise and a request. I mean, we see all those different parts of prayer going on in this small prayer here. Pray together as a family. Before you do, ask what promises God has given to you, promises that you're looking forward to and still waiting for to be fulfilled, and include them in your prayer. God has promised he's coming again. Remind him of his promise. As you have said, Lord, that you will return to rescue us, to take us to be with yourself, help us, O Lord, to be patient. Help us to wait for your proper timing. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a family prayer. Uh, And again, this is a great pattern. Address God with great respect. Acknowledge our unworthiness before him. Lay our sins at his feet, ask him to help us, and remind him of his promises that he would keep them. He doesn't need the reminder, but it shows that faith, that trust that we have, that he is faithful, that he will keep it. In the next section, Jacob is going to divide up all that he he wants to give to Esau as a gift. It's a massive gift. I mean, lots of animals here. 220 plus another 220, it's 440. And then at least 30 camels, however many calves not mentioned. So that's 450, 50 cows and bulls, so that's 500, another 30 donkeys. We've got 530 animals plus the camel calves, and he divides them into groups. We're not specified what groups look like, but he sends the groups one by one so that they can continue to kind of chisel away at Esau's hatred, basically. Um, It's a moment of flattery. And then another moment of flattery, and it's just like these flashes of it. He's hoping to wear his brother down, to break through his defenses, because he believes his brother still hates him. Now, whether Esau still hates him at this moment or not, we're not told. When this is all said and done, Esau has accepted his brother, but he might have already. Twenty years have gone by. Maybe he's already forgiven. We don't know. So he breaks these things into groups, 
He sends each one with a message. He acknowledges that Esau is going to ask, To whom do you belong? Where are you going? Whose are these ahead of you? The answers to those questions, they are Jacob's. They're going to Esau. And this is a gift. So Jacob tells them, instructs them to say the answer to those things. And he says the same thing for the second, the third, and any other groups after that. We're not actually told in the, the language of the text here just how many groups there are. He's hoping, again, to be accepted by Esau when he finally sees him. The next part of the text is the one that most people are, are more familiar with, and it's Jacob wrestling with God. There is some confusing language in here, certainly, uh, that the Hebrew just leaves so, so vague and generic. So we'll take a look at that. Um, but first, he leaves, so he sent the gift ahead, but he himself is going to go ahead as well. He's going to take his family, his four wives, the two greater and the two concubine, and then he's going to also take his 11 sons. This is one of my pet peeves with English translations. In the 21st century, most English translations that are being done are going politically correct. They're trying to be gender neutral about things. The Hebrew here does not say his 11 children. It specifies his 11 sons. And in trying to be, uh, again, gender neutral, which the Bible isn't, it just isn't. We're forcing our own culture upon it, and that's not good. We should let the Bible shape us, not the other way around. Anyway, enforcing this gender neutrality on it and saying 11 children, they got it wrong. The ESV has an error right here because Jacob does not have 11 children. Jacob has 12 children at this point because Leah has given birth to a daughter by the name of Dinah. Had they left it as the Hebrew did and he took his 11 sons, then there's no error here. The Bible does not have an error here, but our ESV translations do because the translators, again, tried to appease people. God said sons. Leave it alone. Let it be sons. Sorry, pet peeve. It drives me bonkers. So he takes his family. He takes his wives, his sons. They cross the Jabbok River. And then he separates himself a distance from them to be alone. And this is when God wrestles with him. Until the breaking of the day. So it's, it's been night for a while, ever since he started the breaking up of the, the gifts here in the previous paragraph. Now, the language of Hebrew I mentioned is very generic. Let me just read it to you, what the Hebrew says in, in English, a very straightforward English translation. He saw that he was not able in regards to him, and he touched against the basin of his upper thigh, and he dislocated the basin of the upper thigh of Jacob by means of his wrestling with him. You can see how in English, oftentimes, translations will put extra words in. So they... They added in the start, the man saw he did not prevail against Jacob. Well, the text doesn't say that. He says he wasn't able against him. So who's who? That's the challenge that we're left with. English translations, again, will often put words in, names in, for example, to help try to clarify who we're talking about. But in doing so, they tell you they're 
right? Their judgment. They believe that this is God could not prevail against Jacob. Grammatically, it could be Jacob could not prevail against God. So let me me give you a couple of different ways that this text could read. God saw that God was not able in regards to Jacob, and God touched against the basin of Jacob's upper thigh. God dislocated the basin of the upper thigh of Jacob by means of God's wrestling with Jacob. But grammatically, again, could just as easily, the references be, Jacob saw that Jacob was not able in regards to God, and God touched against the upper th- the basin of Jacob's upper thigh. God dislocated the basin of the upper thigh of Jacob by means of Jacob's wrestling with God. Or some combination thereof. Where this ultimately matters is the first phrase. Could God prevail against Jacob or not? We usually struggle with this one because we read God could not prevail against Jacob. The difficulty there is, if God wanted to, he could smite Jacob on the spot and Jacob would be no more. So this can be alleviated by changing our assumptions about what pronoun is who. So Jacob could not best God in the fight and God cripples him as a reminder. Or we have to then picture this as God limiting himself. Just as God will take on flesh in the form of Jesus Christ and that Jesus does not always appeal to his divinity. He does not always display his divine power in this creation at every moment. He limits himself, but he is yet God. It could be here. Either way, we know that God gives him a a reminder. He cripples him in a way. He's permanently injured and has the limp. Now, as the fight continues, as day is breaking, Verse 26, he said, send me, for the dawn went up. And he said, I will not send you unless you bless me. Again, all pronouns. ESB sticks a few names in there to try and help you clear it up. It does appear that this is God seeking to to depart, and it's Jacob who is trying to retain him, and he cannot leave unless he gives Jacob a blessing. What's the blessing that he gives? not already told. There he blessed him is all it said. But he does change his name first. He changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And typically we think of Israel as meaning uh, something to do with wrestling with God because that's the description given here in verse 28. The Hebrew word is actually really debated in terms of what it means and we'll just leave that be. But God said this, so we take God at his word. Now, you might talk as a family about who else in the Bible did God change their names? And there are only a few. Abraham went from Abram to Abraham. Sarai goes from Sarai to Sarah. Jacob, Jacob to Israel. As well as Pashur to Magor Misaviv. And then Simon to Peter. Jacob, in comparison to his grandfather, is unique because Abram, once changed to Abraham, is never called Abram again. Sarai, once changed to Sarah, is never called Sarai again in Scripture. But Jacob, changed to Israel, he's going to be called those two names interchangeably. He'll be called both Jacob and Israel in the times to come in Scripture, which 
almost seems like the saint-sinner thing that we talk about as Christians quite a bit, that I am both a saint and a sinner at the same time. So Jacob is a reminder of Jacob's sinful nature, his constant deception of other people, the sins he has committed, whereas Israel is the name God has given him and a reminder that he is God's child. So that could be a good way to think of it. Jacob then calls the place Penael, which means face of God, because he has seen God face to face. That's how we know that he has wrestled with God, uh, also the blessing and so forth. But this is our strongest evidence of it right here. Verse 32, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip to this day. That's the idea of remembrance of what God has done. It's, it's great to craft little reminders like that into your family's life and practice. Um, to do things, have traditions that remind you of God throughout the day. You can imagine a child saying, Dad, you know, as they're cutting up the meat from the hunt, Dad, why can't we eat this? Well, son, there was a time where our great, 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 great grandfather, uh, he wrestled with God, and he gets to tell the story. So reminders about faith in our life our daily life, are a wonderful thing. And so you can put things in your own home. This is easy with things like crosses or you know, to wear a cross, to put a centerpiece on your table, like an advent wreath or, again, a crucifix even, if you wanted to. Something that reminds you throughout the day to talk about God, to remember who he is and what he's done for you and for your family. Let us praise the Sing.